better? Sorry. I keep accidentally turning myself off. Anyway, um, you know, Scripture's filled with all types of different images and metaphors to try to give us a glimpse of who God is and help us understand how we can know our great and awesome God. For instance, in the Bible, here are some of them. He's compared to a lion. He's compared to an eagle. But then he's also compared to a lamb. He's compared to the sun. He's compared to a light, a fire, a fountain, a rock, a hiding place, and a tower, and a shield. And then there are even these more personal, more, I guess, humanly images, if you will, to help us comprehend really what is the incomprehensible God. Here are some of these images. He's called Creator. He's called Bridegroom. He's called Husband, Judge, King, a Man of War, a Builder, a Maker, a Physician, and of course, a Father. But perhaps no image has seemed to capture us and to endear us to God and to comfort us more than the image of God being our shepherd. Even in modern day America, people when they are surveyed, and I did one of these kind of informal surveys on my own as as a pastor, I, I asked folks, I said, I want you to share with me what is your favorite psalm? And to be honest with you, I got all kinds of different recommendations. But in a way, not totally to my surprise, you can probably guess what came in number one. Psalm 23. In fact, uh, I gathered together some of the church leaders and I said, now surely in such an esteemed bunch as this, such spiritual giants, they would be a little bit more creative. And when I went around the room, so many of them, in fact, the majority said, yeah, you know, when you really come down to it, the 23rd Psalm is my favorite. The 23rd Psalm has become perhaps one of the most familiar psalms, poems, portions of scripture that any of us have ever read. And as we're in this new sermon series on hope, I thought I would take you to that psalm, Psalm 23. So if you have a Bible with you, I hope you do, find Psalm 23. Because in this psalm, if we're not careful, the familiar can be taken for granted. So today I want you to understand, I want us to be reminded that the image of a shepherd in Psalm 23 gives us tremendous hope. Now it's interesting, Psalm 23, maybe not exactly as I'm looking at my Bible here, but pretty close to it, is in the middle of the Bible. And isn't it true that so often in life, right when we're in the middle of things, right when we're in the middle of life, man, we need hope. In fact, in the, in the Psalms, Psalm 23, as you would understand, is between Psalm 22 and Psalm 24. Everybody say, I get that. I get that. All right. And it's interesting, if you look at those three Psalms as a trilogy, Psalm 22, 23, and 24, what you find there is in Psalm 22, you have this picture of this suffering servant. But then in Psalm 24, you have this picture of this sovereign king. 
But right in the middle, as if seeing the heart of God, you see this shepherding king. This shepherding king. And really, it reminds us how God desires for you and me to see him as our shepherd. In fact, in John 10, 11, the Bible tells us, the Lord Jesus says that he is the good shepherd who gives his life for his sheep. In Hebrews 13, 20, he is the great shepherd of the sheep who shed his own blood for his sheep. In 1 Peter 5, 4, he is the chief shepherd who provides for his faithful servants the crown of glory that does not fade away. This picture of a shepherd has comforted hearts time and time again. And once again this week, as I just read over Psalm 23 and read over it again, and even this morning as I was reciting it in my mind, I was drawn again to remember that whether it be at a funeral where I have shared Psalm 23 so many times, or whether it be at a hospital bedside where I've shared it so many times, or whether it be on a sunshiny spring day, we ought to be reminded that God is our shepherd. Amen? You know, so many different illustrations came came out of that tragic, horrific day that is etched forevermore into the memory of our and my generation. And I guess every generation of people has such memories. For my forefathers, no doubt it would have been Pearl Harbor. But for those of us alive, and all I have to do is say on 9-11, 9-11 is now etched in our memories, isn't it? I've been to New York City a few times. My wife and I will, will enjoy taking, a, taking a, a trip up there every now and then. And we were taking one of these bus tours that you can take around New York City. And I was, and I was struck that even years after the attacks of September 11th, as you, as you were on this bus and as you listened to the tour guide, the tour guide with tears in his eyes and with, and with choked emotion, took us back and described for us very vividly exactly where he was and the sights that he was seeing as a born and bred New Yorker to see those images and to have his world literally shaken. I was reminded of one of the, really, the heroes of September 11th, Todd Beamer, this week. And how Todd Beamer... When he was on the telephone with the operator, and she later, as she told of her conversation with Todd Beamer, and as he would end up joining some of those other passengers to overtake the terrorist, to attempt to at least keep that flight, which they by then knew was goal, where it was headed to do. They knew it had been turned into a missile by these terrorists. They knew they were going to need to do something to keep it as they had then determined that evidently it looked like it was going to head to probably a destination of attack in our U.S. capital. Todd Beamer would go on with some others to, write, to raise up and to attack and to try to commandeer the plane or at least keep it from killing other innocents. And the operator told of this account how Todd Beamer, before he said those words which have been credited to him, let's roll, recited from memory Psalm 23. 
The words of the 23rd Psalm have offered more comfort, calm more fears, and encouraged more hearts, perhaps than any other poem ever written. And that is what it is. It was a poem really written, a, a journal entry, if you will, ordained of God, inspired scripture, inerrant scripture, penned by King David from the perspective which he had known so well. He himself had been a shepherd. And now he found himself a king. And as this shepherd king recalled that relationship between shepherd and sheep, this shepherd king recalls now on this day, and out of all the psalms David wrote, David only wrote one 23rd psalm. David shares with us this very intimate picture of how God cares and comforts and loves his people, us, his sheep the sheep of his flock, and how we can enjoy the peace and contentment because God is our ultimate shepherd. Charles Spurgeon, that famous colonial preacher, called uh, 20, the 23rd Psalm the pearl of the Psalms. Presbyterian minister James Boyce Montgomery said the 23rd Psalm is the most beloved of all the Psalms and, post, and possibly the best loved and best known chapter in the entire Bible. He called it a masterpiece. J.P. Macbeth said the 23rd Psalm is the greatest poem ever written. And Chuck Swindoll, a favorite of people in every circumstance of life, listen to what he said. I've got it written down here. Listen. See if this does not amplify the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm, Swindoll writes, is near and dear to every soldier in battle fearing injury or death. Every grieving widow standing before a fresh grave. Guilty wanderers seeking forgiveness and directions. Lonely strangers longing for love and companionship. A suffering saint strapped to a bed of pain. The orphan and the forgotten, the depressed and the jobless, the prison inmate and the persecuted, the prodigal and the divorced. Listen, when the chips are down, when our hearts are heavy, it is this psalm many turn to as they go along life's journey but I want to give you that warning familiarity breeds contempt so today I want to ask you to join with me and let us ask God to give us fresh eyes and open hearts to hear the 23rd Psalm and for us to remember this day that right here in the heart of scripture we have hope we find hope in the shepherd who satisfies our souls so I invite you to stand with me I'm going to read the 23rd Psalm stand with me if you would Let's hear the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Father, I pray now that you will take this familiar psalm and help us to once again with fresh eyes and open hearts to see and to receive this wonderful, wonderful message of encouragement to our hearts today. 
God, I pray the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart to be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. You're my rock and my redeemer. May I get out of the way and simply allow your word to be magnified by your spirit in this place to these people today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Be seated. Now, first of all, I want you just to look right there at that first sentence. The Lord is my shepherd. Would you say that with me aloud? The Lord is my shepherd. Right there, you could probably have five different sermons in just those first few words. The Lord is my shepherd. I want to ask you just to absorb the full impact of that statement. The Lord is my shepherd. The Bible doesn't say a Lord. The Bible says what? The Lord. Specific. One of a kind. He is the one. And then it doesn't just say the somebody. It says what? The Lord. And in the English translations, usually it's in all capitals. It's because this is an English translator's way of trying to translate for you very hard to understand Hebrew. I can remember taking Hebrew in seminary, and Hebrew is like Sanskrit. Hebrew it looks more like Chinese to me than it looks like anything that I'd grown up with. And what we're doing with capital letters for the word Lord here is it's, it's trying to give you a word for what we would call Yahweh. W-H-W-H in the Hebrew, all right? And this was the personal. This was the covenant. This is the revealed name of God. This is, this is the name that God gives to Moses there on that holy mountain. This is God saying, listen, I am the Lord. I am the God, the creator. I am the specific God. I am the one of a kind Lord. I am that I am. This is Yahweh. This is Jehovah. This is the Lord. This is the one of a kind, one true God. When you, when you were uh, out there in, the, in days gone by, uh, laying out there in that desert, Moses, and you were looking up in the stars in the sky, and you were wondering, who is this creator? I am that I am. Yahweh, Jehovah. This is the Lord. And then the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. The, the Bible does not tell us the Lord is the shepherd or the Lord is a shepherd. The Bible doesn't even say here that the Lord is our shepherd. He gets very, very personal. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And you need to see that today. You need to understand. We need to remember that the Lord, the one who did create the stars, the one who did make the mountains, the one who did create all these oceans and this world that we live in right now, the Lord is my shepherd. When it seems that you're walking along life's way and it's a lonely, hard path, understand this, he is, he is your shepherd. He is my shepherd. This is very personal here. And then it's just not, he's just not, the Lord is my somebody. He, the Lord is my shepherd. It's a very specific role. The Lord is my shepherd. He's the one that tends to me and feeds me and guides me and cares for me. The Lord is my shepherd. And then the Bible says here, the Lord is my shepherd. Not the Lord was my shepherd. Not the Lord will be my shepherd, but the Lord what? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He is my shepherd right now, right here. And isn't that where you need God? 
Don't you need God right now? Oh, listen, if you think, if I dare think I don't need God right now, I am sadly mistaken. If I think, oh, I'll just need, I just need God to be my shepherd one day later on, listen, understand this. I need God as my shepherd right here and right now. And here's the encouragement of Scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Right there in the picture of Scripture, we are amazingly blessed. Who do we turn to? When we find ourselves in need, in want, do I turn to a coach? Do I turn to a parent? Do I turn to a friend or a coworker? We are blessed in so many ways to have friends. Even on the way over here, I was talking to a, a friend of mine that I'd served with for so many years. I was his youth pastor when he was a 16-year-old student. Then we served on a church staff together uh, at, for over 10 years. He's now pastoring a church in Martinsville. And this morning, I was so blessed and so encouraged to have him pray for me. Even this morning, looking on my telephone, I got a text message from a pastor uh, in Christiansburg who, who really I ought to be the encourager to, but today he, the Lord laid on his heart to send me a text message and say, I'm praying for you today, Brian. How blessed we are by the encouragement of one another. But understand this, the Lord is my shepherd. No one can take his place. No relationship can take the place of the Lord being my shepherd. So when we come into life's hard places, understand this, the Lord is my shepherd. Don't ever forget that. Wilbur Chapman was a 19th century preacher. He wrote a book called The Secret of a Happy Day. And he recounts how this traveler in Switzerland met a family that had raised sheep. And he, and he, and he met, the, met the boy in the family and they were talking and this little boy could not read. And, uh, and so Wilbur Chapman, the preacher, he pulls out his Bible and he wanted to teach the boy how he could read the 23rd Psalm. But the little boy got frustrated and very, very, you know, uh, irritated. He said, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And so Chapman says, says I'm going to teach you how to read it using your fingers. And he says, here you go. Take out your hand. Take out your hand. And here, here's what I want you to remember. The Lord is my shepherd. And he taught that little shepherd boy how to read using his hand. The Lord is my shepherd. And the little boy caught on and, and, uh, and, and, he, and he was, and he, and he was thrilled that he could kind of, quote, read using his hands. Well, well, a little while passed, and the preacher went on traveling his way. He made his way back through that same area to check in on that family and to see how the little boy, if the little boy was, was remembering the scripture, the Lord is my shepherd. He goes up to the farmhouse, and, and the little boy's mother greets the preacher, and she says, well, actually, she says, I, tragically, what had happened is, and the mother shared this with the preacher, the little boy had gotten sick and the little boy had died not too long after the preacher had visited their home. And she said, but preacher, I want you to know something. I want you to know, preacher, that when, when my little boy died, he died holding his fourth finger. And he wanted you to know that even in the midst of his dying, he knew that the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He said he died holding his finger, remembering that the Lord is my shepherd. 
Loved ones, understand this. Never ever forget that the Lord is my shepherd. And what you see here in scripture is this picture of how the shepherd provides for his sheep. And it's interesting, if you study the li- if you study sheep, and Philip Keller wrote his book, he was a sheep rancher, and he wrote a book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. He says it's almost impossible for sheep to be at peace and lie down unless certain requirements are met. For instance, sheep have to be unafraid. Sheep are very skittish and scared and they won't lie down unless they are free from fear. They have to experience peace because they live in a flock because of their social behavior. Listen to this. They won't lie down if they think there's any tension or any trouble in the flock. They need to be content. They won't lie down if flies or parasites are are, are pestering them. They need to be free from pests. And they need to be full. Finally, sheep will not lie down. They won't rest unless they're free from hunger. And I think that's a picture of where you and I are in life. I think this reminds us that as individuals, as people, as sheep in God's flock... There are times when, when we need to remember and be reminded that the Lord is the only one who satisfies our soul. So I want you to remember how the Lord satisfies our souls as our shepherd. Number one, I want you to see this, the Lord restores my soul. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now listen, sheep will drink from a putrid mud hole if they're allowed to do so. But what they desperately need is they need fresh, clean water. But here's, but here's the issue. Sheep are scared of running water. And, and rightly so, because remember, a sheep has a coat of wool. You would not want to go swimming wearing a wool coat or a wool sweater. And what will happen is sheep have learned to be scared of this rushing, running water because if they fall into it, they'll drown. But if they drink that still water, that muddy, murky water, it can have parasites and disease in it that can kill the sheep. So what the sheep need is the sheep need quiet, still water. And what the shepherd will often do is there along the riverbank side, he will set up rocks and fresh water will pool there so the sheep can drink fresh, clean water. That's how the shepherd restores my soul. In my life, I don't need the parasitic trash of this world. I need fresh, clean, living water in my life. I need the Lord to calm my soul. I need the Lord to, the Bible says, make me lie down in green pastures. It's interesting, it says make, makes the sheep lie down in green pastures. You know, the only way that can happen is for me to come to understand that my soul is ultimately only satisfied when I understand that it is the Lord Jesus Christ who restores my soul and makes me whole again. Who or what are you looking to today to restore your soul? What are you looking to to give you that fullness in life? Listen to me. All of the other stuff outside of the Lord is just the fake carbonated junk food of this world. The sheep is satisfied by the shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, a sheep, 
a sheep would quite often, they could wander off from the flock. And what would happen is that sheep could wander off and get lost and and the shepherd would have to leave the 99 behind and go out and look for that one sheep. And sometimes what had happened is that sheep might have, might would have fallen all, fallen over an edge or gotten injured or something like that. And, that. and that shepherd would have to take that sheep and would have to care for that sheep. And sometimes a shepherd would discover that a, a particular sheep had a bent towards wandering off. And that sheep, and that, and that shepherd would go after that sheep, and he'd pick up that little lamb and put him over his shoulder. Now, this is going to sound cruel, but there was a method to the shepherd's work here. The shepherd would take a hold of one of those lamb's legs, one of those legs that was part of his wandering off and would grab a stiff hold of that leg and would snap it and would break it. Of course, the lamb did not enjoy that. The shepherd would then wrap that leg in a cast. That shepherd would carry that lamb around his neck as that leg, that broken leg, healed. He would, by hand, feed that lamb, rubbing that lamb, calling that lamb by its name. That lamb then would come to understand that in the midst of his brokenness, it was only the shepherd who could restore him. Men and women, oftentimes it is in our broken moments that we come to understand that it's only the shepherd, the Lord Jesus, who can restore our souls. And then all of a sudden, that, that lamb, once restored, would then follow along behind that shepherd. And listen, that shepherd would lead that sheep along the right path. You see, the shepherd restores my soul. He gives me the peace that he can only give. He then leads me along the right paths. You know what? Perhaps you're experiencing some brokenness in your life right now. Perhaps it seems that you've kind of wandered off from the flock and now all of a sudden you've kind of come back in here this morning and you're grazing a little bit on these green pastures. I want you to hear something this morning. The shepherd satisfies because he restores my soul. He restores my soul. You know, Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Listen, listen, all of us, all of us have gone astray. We need the Lord to restore souls. The Lord to restore souls. Will you read on in verse four? Verse four tells us this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, see, the shepherd restores my soul, but the shepherd does something else because all of a sudden now I'm following the shepherd, right? But it seems that I look up and I look around and I find myself in death valley. 
I find myself in this dangerous place. It seems that enemies are around me. It seems that I am under attack. And that's what can happen in a person's life quite so often. A person will come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and it's as if their soul is being restored. But then they wonder, why, why am I now going through such hardship? Why does it seem that now I'm experiencing this attack and this hardship? And understand this, the Bible gives you this word. The Bible says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Not only does the Lord restore my soul, the Lord comforts my soul. You know, valleys were places of danger. Wild animals lurked in the canyon walls and storms could come and it could cause floods to whip through those valleys. But right here in verse four, we're reminded that I don't have to fear evil because my shepherd is with me. Those sheep would look for that shepherd and would long to hear that shepherd's voice. And understand this, in the midst of life's valleys, the Lord provides his presence. And it's interesting, the pronouns go in the first three verses, God is referred to in the third person, he. But then, but then look here in verse four, it's much more direct. You are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod is used to protect the sheep from wild animals and the staff or the shepherd's crook was used to help a a sheep out of a thicket to push the branches down and to beat down the high grass and to drive away snakes. And at the end of the day, the shepherd would take that shepherd's staff and he would use that and point at each of those sheep, counting those sheep one by one to make sure that none were lost. But I find it very interesting that it says to us that the shepherd leads us, but we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You see, don't miss that. See, you're not in the valley of the shadow of death by accident. The Bible here is telling us that I've actually been led there by my shepherd. You see, the shepherd understood something about that walk. See, it's often been said that it's in the valley that the grass grows the greenest. You see, sometimes we want to stay in the playroom of prosperity, but God knows that we need to go to the schoolroom of suffering to really learn how much he loves us and how much he cares for us and how we need him as our shepherd. He comforts my soul. It's in the valley that we develop the character and the confidence and the conviction that the shepherd is the one we need. And I always find it interesting to note that it says the valley of the shadow of death. Now, shadows are scary. Anyone who's ever raised children, you understand, man, children, small children, they're scared of shadows. My little eight-year-old right now, she'll remind me after I tuck her in and stuff like that, she's got her nightlight on, but now she's going through this little face. Hey, leave the bathroom light on. Leave the bathroom light on because it's as if the bathroom light chases away the shadows. You see, I know something that she really hasn't learned yet. You see, it's not not really a shadow that hurts you. Really nothing to fear. You see, the shepherd is with us. The Lord comforts my soul. 
And then you read in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now this is interesting here because are we even still talking about sheep and a shepherd? And I think we are because you see what would happen is after they would go through the valley, they would come out of the valley and they would end up on this plateau. And the Bible says here the shepherd would prepare a table. And what the shepherd would have to do is remember that most of this area is, is, is desert. And that shepherd would have to work hard to prepare a pasture on that plateau for his sheep. And I find it here that often what the shepherd would have to do is the shepherd would have to chase away those snakes. And shepherds would, what they would do is they would take oil and they would put it around the, uh, the snake holes that these adders would go into. And these, and these black adders, what these snakes would do is they would want to come out of those holes and they would want to nip at and bite at the sheep's nose, which would kill the sheep because of the poison. But if the shepherd puts oil around the snake hole, that snake, because of its smooth body and the smooth oil, it can't get out of that hole. And so what the shepherd would do is the shepherd would go through that that plateau area and he would prepare it as a table of nourishment for his sheep. And it reminds me that the Lord restores my soul, the Lord comforts my soul, but the Lord supplies my soul. See, even in the midst of of trying times, even in the midst of spiritual warfare, the Lord can supply the needed nourishment that I need in my soul. Oh yes, my soul needs to be restored. There are days my soul has to be comforted, but then there are days my soul, plain and simply, needs to be supplied. That's why Jesus said, abide in me. Make your home in me. The shepherd wants to supply your soul with the nourishment of his word, the nourishment of fellowship, and the nourishment of encouragement. Don't forget, don't miss that the shepherd wants to supply your soul but so many of us find ourselves spiritually running on empty it's as if it's as if we're starving to death but understand this right here in the midst of this life the shepherd has prepared has prepared nourishment for you and me he wants to supply my soul and the psalmist says says this you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows it is the picture of being cared for and supplying of my soul. What the shepherd would do is oftentimes after after the sheep would come back in into their to their pen or to the area where the shepherd would gather them together for the evening, the shepherd would look at their heads and would see if there was any damage, if there had been any injuries. Sometimes injury was caused because these rams they would fight with each other and they would headbutt. Sometimes we get injured like that. Even in the family of God, we'll get into tussles with one another. We'll get into fusses with one another. And we need, we need to be repaired. Sometimes they had been nipped at or injured just walking through that, through that field. And the shepherd would take oil and he would rub it on the sheep's head. And the oil was like a medicine. And so part of the way the Lord supplies my soul is the Lord knows when I need him to care for me and to nurture me. And God's word is the medication that comes into my life and helps the wounds that I have 
through walking through this life. And then he says, my cup overflows. What the, what the shepherd would do when they were on this plateau is the shepherd would have, to, would have to find a well or would have to dig a well and he would take a leather bucket and he would drop it down into that, into that well and he would pull up the water and he would begin to fill there a, a, a drinking trough. And the picture here is, is the Lord provides me that living water that I need in my life. The Lord Jesus Christ is the picture of my relationship with him. It's as if, it's as if my, my relationship with God is overflowing with abundance. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Understand this. The Lord wants us to look to him to be the one that satisfies our soul's deepest need. He restores, he comforts, he supplies my soul, and then ultimately he gives me assurance. The Lord assures my soul. Look at verse 6. The Bible says, surely goodness and mercy. Now mercy is literally translated loving kindness. Surely goodness, and the Hebrew word is kesed, or loving kindness. Surely goodness and mercy, or loving kindness, shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I like this analogy. One writer said, Goodness and mercy, God's goodness and mercy are like the sheepdogs that accompany God's flock of sheep. Listen, all we need to do when we get nervous as sheep, listen to me, is you look out there and you see God's goodness on the one hand and God's mercy on the other. And like sheepdogs to sheep, That reminds us that the wolves won't get but so close. The enemy won't get but so close. Listen today. Let God's goodness and God's mercy speak into your life like a sheepdog barking comfort to sheep. The picture here in this psalm is amazing because really, if you look at the 23rd psalm, you really see God amplified here. The Lord is my shepherd. He is Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord, my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He is Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord who provides. He's the one who makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He is Jehovah-Shalom, the Lord, my peace. He restores my soul. He is Jehovah-Rapha, the Lord who heals. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He is jehovah Sid Canoe, the Lord, my righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is always present. And he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner, the one who goes before me, the one who leads me the one whom I look to. Is the Lord your shepherd? Is the Lord your shepherd? You know, maybe, maybe today it's time for you to say, Lord, be my shepherd. You're all I want. 
Today is the day for us to say, the Lord is my shepherd. That's enough. A very familiar psalm, but a psalm that satisfies my soul. I want to invite you as we sing this song of commitment for you to consider today, have you embraced the Lord as your shepherd? Your shepherd. Is that all you want? I want to invite you to stand and to your feet and bow your heads in prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed today as we Respond to the Lord. The Lord is the shepherd. He can restore your soul. He can comfort your soul. He can satisfy and supply your soul. He can assure your soul. It's the Lord that provides. I, I want to ask you today, who, who are you looking to to lead and guide you in, in life? Who are you looking to for hope? The Lord is my shepherd. Lord, I pray right now as we sing this song and as we respond that all across this room, people will will today in a new way, a fresh way, embrace this very familiar psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. And he's all I want. Lord, make that our prayer today. In Jesus' name.